0: Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walden. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D-Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D-Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren here we go welcome 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 to the three and d love nba podcast unfortunately due to the health and safety protocols we are sorry to inform you (laughs) that our venerable host derek love known as d love is unavailable tonight so you are joined once again by the brother zini ryan welcome back tonight good to be here brother michael
1: um i think we've learned two things one uh Derek is our Kyrie Irving uh, he has been blocked from entering the state he uh he can only now participate in away game podcasts um, and unfortunately now we are the 2 and D podcast which is maybe like the worst possible player in the modern NBA would be have a guy who can play defense, but only shoot two pointers. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a role for you. All you can do is shoot 17 footers and play defense. Is there a player? I mean, this is the Tony Allen. We I was going to say the Allen? Tony
0: Allen's our patron saint, right? Yeah. the Tony Allen podcast. <laughs> no, it's uh it's certainly a rough go when, uh, when D love is not here to to lead us through the happenings, the lay of the league, so to speak of the last week. But uh, I think we're gonna do our we'll do our best tonight, right? That's right. We'll and we'll still we will steer clear of any conversations around John Stockton and and his uh, his best friend Carl Malone and their opinions on the world, or Damian
1: Lillard saying he's never gonna come back to play for the Blazers ever again. Let's move, Let's move
0: on. Was that what it was? I I thought, <laughs> I thought
1: there might be something. I might in have there. added the never again part, but he did say, "We'll see how my health is. If we're you know, I might just have out the rest of the year. It's never never a good." But don't worry, Joe Cronin is on the case. He's building the case, he is building a contender as we well, speak.
0: You know, the fact that you bring up Lillard is a great uh, is a great foyer into our topic tonight. We're going to play a little game called buyers and sellers. We're rapidly approaching uh, the second half of the season. Most teams are through uh, 41 games at least, and so actually, most are into the mid 40s, and so. Uh, Ryan, we're going to each pick a few teams that we're buying here down the stretch in the back half of the season and selling in the back half of the season. And I'm sure neither of us will be buying the Portland Trail Blazers because of Damian Lillard's absence. So, uh, it's a good, it's a good lead in (laughs) Joe Kern is
1: offended. He's very offended by that. We've lost belief. Yeah. It's, it's not looking good. It's not looking good for the blazers, man. You know, um,
0: it's, it's a, it's, it's a rough go, but, uh, you know, they're hopefully they're on the Raptors, uh, the Raptors trail.
1: Hey, which- that's a great talk about a segue, man. Who needs to, love we got this thing flowing back and forth. Uh, the Raptors are the team I am buying. I am, I'm, I am predicting a, um, a even better second half. They had the first half. Uh, there was some question and, yeah, and, and it's may, this may, <laughs> it's still in play that Messiah is going to pull the plug and they're going to drop in the lottery there was a smoke signal sent out either from him or someone that you know maybe the raptors that hey we're going to we're going to buy not sell so you know, again it's all it's all part of the game so we'll see what that actually means but if they if he keeps going with what he has and you know likes what he sees so far I think they can keep getting better and it's really fun seeing them play the five, six, nine guy lineup. Um, I mean, obviously Van V van fleet's playing great. Scotty Barnes is second best rookie and doing a lot of great things for them. Siakam showing some, his old flashes.
0: Siakam's back.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, with him and Obi and, um, and Obi, and then also with Barnes, it's like that is scary. And then you throw, like, you know, Princess Boucher, they have all these dudes who can kind of come in around them. I think you made the point. Well, they only have six guys. And but I think most of their guys are either at their peak or still getting better. So I, I think they're the type of the team that can keep keep improving, keep getting better. They have the six-nine wrinkle, they have a coach who's willing to th- kind of throw junk defenses at people and try things and do things. Um And it wouldn't be the weirdest thing for Masai to, you know, ebb and people flow. And so if if I think you you made the point, Michael, off air, it's like the plan's looking pretty pretty choppy, <laughs> at least in the West right now. I mean, you know, and I think across the board, it's just it's a lot of mediocrity. And so maybe he sees the chance to make a little bit of a run. Like, who knows what's going on? He's playing the long game. He just signed a lifetime contract, so it's like he just uh, he outlasted the succession founder. The, the the I don't watch Success; I don't know which character it is, but basically, they should have a Maasai subplot if they haven't already. I know that the uh, executive, um, the executive producer, is a big NBA fan, so he should uh, he should pull the a side plot where the. <laughs> Family patriarch tries to get rid of the GM for the team and doesn't think he's worth anything. And people, his, his that that is proof that he's, he's lost it, but he doesn't see that Masai Ujiri <laughs> is one of, uh, one of the best GMs there is going right now. Um, so yeah, I hope, I hope, um, you know, I hope Adam McKay hears this and he can get a, get his, uh, his guys there, his the showrunner of succession to write that in. So I, I really like, I really like them. I mean, they're right. You know, they have a positive point differential slightly. They're right in the plane right now. So we're really just talking about them. Could they get to the top of the plane, maybe even sneak in the bottom. If they get a real run going, we'll see. Um, they could definitely use some more, um, another guard another big guy. <laughs> um, that's my my friend who's a big raptors fan he 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 said that's what they needed i said no you need more six nine guys all six nine guys let's do it <laughs> so i like the raptors what, what do you think
0: Mike? no the raptors is a fun one because they are they kind of do this thing where they play no bad players which is, i know is a novel concept in the nba sometimes but That's a good point. In the pursuit of of rotations, right, these teams will play eight, nine guys and and they have a serious drop off in the back end of the rotation. I mean, we're finding this with the G League uh, call ups, right? It's like the difference between an eighth and a ninth guy in a rotation and a G League player is insubstantial, right? And that's what the Raptors haven't had to really deal with because they've played a six and a half man rotation oftentimes. They, they've really, they throw everything they've got at you. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi are playing, I mean, roughly 40 minutes a night the last like month of the season. Right. I mean, Van Vliet's stat lines are hilarious. He's like, he'll go like eight for 19 and he'll go six for 15 from three. Right. So it's like actually ends up being efficient offensively, <laughs> but he's this little mighty mite that just like, he's like the, he's like the modernized Damon Stoudemire, just like y- yakking up jumpers all the time. Yeah.
1: I can't believe it. And someone did not max him out during his free agency year, I, I felt like that would have been I feel like he'd be the perfect like third or fourth guy. He's a he's perfect. Like he's a perfect like he's a perfect like secondary really good player on a good team. Like I felt like there's definitely people who needed a guard and it just I feel like it's it's funny. I I feel like Masai, if he ran another team or if he had the Raptors, and they didn't have Van Vliet. He'd go after Van Vliet. it's kind of of like i feel like it's the same issue with with simmons it's like maury struggles trading simmons and facing up to the reality of his trade value because if it was the other side maury would have would be waiting and waiting and waiting to pounce and get simmons for like you know a uh like Terrace jones
0: and like yeah. TJ
1: Lamb or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, A Philly cheesesteak? A pick becoming Stephen Adams, uh, Jeremy Lamb, and, Ke- and Kevin Martin. But he'd be waiting for it, and it's like the worst thing because any other GM would just be like, I'm sick of this. I'm trading him. Like, he's he's really struggling. <laughs> he's not worth that much. But Maury's like, no, I would I would trade for him. So I, I feel like Van Fleet would have been a great fit on a couple different teams. and it, it may have been he was going back to the Raptors for sure uh, either way, but I agree. I mean, it is funny, like it, it, regular season, if you don't have bad minutes played, it's, it's a huge advantage. And so, I mean, do you think the 40 minute a night thing that was going to haunt them? Like, are they going to run out of gas?
0: Well, I don't know if they have the opportunity to run out of gas. I mean, they're, they're still flirting in the plan. I mean, the hard thing about the Eastern conference and, and I think we have to consider this as you consider who to buy in the conference is there's six pretty locked yeah, in teams, right? It's very I mean, hard to get to six. You have I the agree. Sixers, the Bucks, the Cavs, you have the Heat, the Bulls, and the Nets, right? I mean, that's six. Well, you are you're kind count- of on, on the Bulls like crashing. Which I mean, at this point, it's not impossible. I mean, their net rating is still only 1.6, even though that they're the sec they're, they're you know basically tied for the lead in the conference. You know, an injury luck is weird, and there's still 40 games to go. But that Caruso thing was horrible, though. Goodness gracious, that <laughs> awful. Some people don't change, Ryan. I think that's something we've learned in our own lives, but also, you know, yeah, it's, hard to, want change. To change.
1: it's hard to change. Hard to change. I just feel like if if you went to Duke, like you had Leighton and Hurley, you had Wode, you had like Chris Collins, like during the bad years when Coach K got sick or whatever, and then you have um like singler, reddick, singler, all these guys, like it's just like the stereotypical like Duke. Now obviously like Coach K coached the US, he got Grant Hill, he coached the Olympic team, and he's been recruiting like gangbusters since then. So credit to, credit where credit is due. But still, if you're a guy like Grayson Allen who like w- who wants to go to Duke, I <laughs> mean it's I haven't watched the Cobra Kai, you know, remake or the the the, the show about the the uh, karate kid universe but it's basically like signing up to go it'd be like a guy like seeing cobra kai like beat up danielson multiple times and being like sign me up i i want to join cobra kai and <laughs> actually be afterwards with you know the beginning of karate kid 2 where uh john keys or whatever his name is is like the the sensei is like you know about to kill johnny and um Mr. Miragi jumps in and saves the day and seeing all of that transpire and being like, sign me up for Cobra Kai. Like it's, it's, it is, you are committed when you're facing out and you're, you're right. You're not only not going to change, you don't want to
0: change. Well, I I swear he have a smirk on his face when he did it. I mean, mean, at some point you have such like a, a, you know, you have these signs that it's just, it's not going to change. I mean, he was tripping players in college, right? I mean, you hear stories of Kobe Bryant, right. Getting ready for games. You really visualize his success. Do you think Grayson Island sits in his mirror and like, (laughs) imagines like naming other players?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like Rudy Gobert, uh, Middle images of
0: screen assists, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, that's, oh, I really got my hips into that one. I, li-
1: I like that. I like what. What is the what is your middle imagery? If you're, yeah, you know, you're Grace and Allen. It is like it's just like hitting pull hitting like spot up threes off Giannis double teams and chirping people, right, or pushing people in midair. Well,
0: and the, and the, the funniest part to me that I just the unintentional comedy level is is. The Bucks are genuinely a cast of pretty good guys. I mean, they they resurrected Bobby Portis's career and seemingly his like mental, you know, engagement. And yet they're standing in front of the media being like, you know what, Grayson's a good guy. Like Drew Holiday is all around considered like a phenomenal person. He left yeah, the game. Yeah. He supported his wife. He's given. Yeah. I think he gave an entire check away. A game, a year of salary away. I mean, he's a remarkable human being, and. And also, his kids
1: could be like the greatest athletes of all time. Because oh, his I, his, his wife is like Olympic, like top soccer player. Yeah, Lauren yeah. genie She's amazing. She's it's amazing. Like, it's tremendous. It's it's, yeah.
0: it's really it's like when you were when you heard that like Steffi Garoff and Andre Agassi had a kid, and then he turned yeah. out to be a professional baseball player. And you're like, okay, this makes more sense. <laughs> But alas, like Drew Holiday gets stuck sitting in an interview and saying and, and sticking up for Grayson Allen. I mean, what they do put you out think a statement? In mind? They put out a statement
1: supporting him.
0: I mean, it's like, I mean, it is
1: it is weird. It's it's all of these guys are you all have amnesia about like things you've done in your own career. <laughs> but, but it is like it's like you said, it's part of his identity. He's embraced it, he embraces the Duke Heel, uh, he he loves that, but I, I agree though. They do have a cast, and it is fun to see Portis, to your point, doing doing playing great, um, embracing it, like taking that intensity and sort of over-the-top violent behavior at times, at least when it comes to teammates, to like focus <laughs> that in the way he has and dude, way to go, Bobby Portis, to resign in Milwaukee, be the king of Milwaukee. He listened to us. Number one, Milwaukee's a great town. We talk about it all the time. Number two. Be the king of Milwaukee, like you just stay there for as long as you can, and you'll be doing like the post game for Milwaukee games. I mean, Chris Mullen, like he he stopped being a GM. He tried to be the coach of his alma mater. He did a horrible job there, so now he's doing local, um, NB like the like this the local cable uh, Warriors games post game. I think it might be the local, it's like it's like the, about as local as you can get, and he's still doing it, man. Like Bobby Portis, you can be doing local TV in Milwaukee the rest of your life. He's you can gonna do, the next do doing... King, you could be the analyst on radio. Just
0: he's... well, he's, he's gonna find himself doing Ron Tonkin ads before he knows <laughs> it. <man. laughs> that's
1: right, man. Just people underestimate that because all those Blazer guys who it wasn't like they were all even amazing players, but people love the Blazers and they love that era of the Blazers. And those guys could dine on that forever. And I think it's very underrated. I think these guys, if I mean, obviously Tucker, I don't think he even really got much of an offer to stay there relative to what he could get in Miami. But if it's close, the tie goes to Milwaukee. That's what I say, man. ahead to go, Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen. Oh man, just what's he what's he mentally imaging now? I mean, what does Chris Paul do for his mental imaging? Is it both? Is it like hitting pull-up <laughs> jumpers and hip checking people?
0: No, it's I just mean, torturing other people. How human did Chris beings. Paul
1: not go to Duke? That's a great point. That I mean, would have been it, great too, because it would have been, you know, we always talk, I think Simmons talked about it, but it's like when you compare, you typically always compare like the white guys and you try and find comparison or oh this, you know, it'd be interesting because Chris Paul does have some overlap with those that Duke crew and those Duke guys in terms of his attitude. Oh, Julius Hodge agrees. I know that was brutal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally useful brutal. listeners. Go search Julius Hodge Chris Paul on, yeah. on YouTube. And your entire outlook on Chris Paul yeah. as a as a human being as a oh. basketball player will change.
1: Oh yeah. The man all right. So Grayson Allen, our are uh we're all down on Grayson Allen. Uh that's clear. So he's going down for what he's done. Um
0: So that pivots to my pick, which is a great, again, segue number two, who needs it? Who needs a QB one? And we got this going for us. My pick is the Milwaukee bucks. I'm incredibly high on them. I think they have really used this season as an opportunity just to stay fresh. They've really, I mean, they've had some ding, some dings, some nicks, some injuries here and there. Obviously that's limited their ability to roll out the whole roster consistently. But I think part of that is, is a bit of the plan. Right. Largely, they, they played long into the season last year and they want to keep those big three particularly fresh and ready for the playoff run. That's what they're here for. Last year, they spent much of the season after being regular season juggernauts multiple years in a row. They spent much of last season, you know, exploring how to play defense differently, getting more versatility and, and flexibility. And that turned out to work out really well in the playoffs. Right. And I think this year they've sort of taken that tact in a little bit of a different way, but really maintaining flexibility and and health and energy as they come down the stretch. I mean, I think that to me uh is a is a great sign of what they have to come. I think coupling that with the fact that when their big 3 does play, I think they're 18 and 3 in, in the 21 yeah. games. Middleton, Middleton's
1: so good. I mean, it's it, odd,
0: it's odd that he went from being like underrated to properly rated while simultaneously making a leap like it was yeah you know he was so egregiously underrated during that run last year that i think he's considered now pretty appropriately but you know it's it's he yeah he, he brings to that group from a one-on-one perspective and a shot making perspective it's just i mean you, it's the type of guy you never would imagine he would have got there but he did
1: yeah it's 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 a good point i would say in terms of where he's rated now, I would say yeah, closer to properly, but still definitely not overcompensate. Like he doesn't—he didn't get the typical like finals bump where he was like because he had some runs in the playoffs where he just like carried them. And I would say he's still underrated because his ability to score, and I mean that's the underrated part of those guys is that both all all three of them can physically, like, handle on like, – like, you can't really guard those guys. It, like, you can't out-physical them on defense. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, it's very hard um, to to kind of make Middleton sort of get out of his game because he's he is big, and he can get to his jumper over most defenders that try and guard him. And obviously, Jonathan and Hall, they're great athletes. So, and the, like you said, the fact that they don't have a one-on-one score. Anywhere close to Middleton, even with Giannis and all of his abilities, someone who can get a shot when you need it and be a bucket getter—I mean, it's—he's legit, man. He is—he is really good. I love—I love when he gets the ball one-on-one and just seeing his his ability to um, score one-on-one. His footwork is just is great, and he's just—I feel like he's just his size helps, but I also love his when he makes a shot. He has the most impassive face. Like he almost like it's like when i don't know if it's when you're when you're uh i think you're singing i remember i was a part of this uh this musical at our church when i was like in grade school and was unplugged i didn't get a i didn't get a, a a speaking part um but they told all the speaking part folk like the stars of the show that like you sh- when you sing you should look out past the crowd like to kind of look out like you're I don't know, maybe it's just more of a church thing, but you, maybe not all performers, but you look out. And even though I was not a featured performer, I still looked out. I made sure I did that part. And I feel like that's what Middleton does. He always looks out. <laughs> he looks past everything. And he, he almost is like trying too hard to be impassive. Like, I think all those guys, like, they're, 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 they're life coaches or psychologists, people who work with them are like, you just need to kind of mo- stay in the moment, move on to the next play. But I feel like he's... It's either his personality or he's he's really taught himself because he looks like almost like it's like he's kind of looking around like he's almost lost. I mean it's amazing. Like his impassivity is just off the charts. So, love Middleton. I agree the Bucks are the they're the favorite and I think they're just going to get better and better as the year goes well, on. Well, do you think
0: they are? I mean, I, okay, so I had this is an interesting conversation because I had this thought this week there's obviously a lot of conversation. I think the state of Connecticut and and uh, the state of Virginia changed some of their mandating languages around the vaccine. There's a bigger movement around the COVID vaccine and how restrictive from life unvaccinated people. Uh, oh yeah, so you're saying may, the the Kyrie effect. Be. You're saying the Kyrie effect. Yeah. So as of that relates. Oh, yeah. to Kyrie Ernie, yeah, Kyrie Irnie. Yeah, he'll he'll
1: be he'll be good. In a couple you months. think he'll be
0: back in full force by the playoffs? Yeah. Okay, so if they're if the if we have the net to no, full what we, strength,
1: that's what we talked about like a month ago. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We were like, "Hey, he's gonna," like the this, the the um things have moved. Like even the people who were very early, like early, like two years ago, early, like January, were like 2020. They're like, "This is coming. Life's never going to be the same. Like, get ready." Some of those people, all lot of people, are saying now, like, "Hey, like we we have to just kind of." We're now at a place where we can sort of make some strides, take some some steps, at least as a society. Like the thing that people forget is individually you can do whatever you want. And I think correctly the ethic was, hey, look out for your neighbor, look out for other people, take the steps you need to protect other people, which is right. And I think that was like a really good thing. But two years in when, you know, it's just – yeah, the, the ground has changed and it's catching up with Kyrie, and that's the crazy part. So I guess what you're saying is if Kyrie comes back, if Durant's healthy, I still like the Bucks at this point. I do. I just like the Bucks. I, I just feel like Harden's kinda off, even though he's like it's kind of in his head about the rule changes, and he and Nash are complaining about not getting calls, even though his free throw percentage isn't any really any different, maybe one off from last year when he's with the Nets. So he's not like Peak Rockets free throw shooting, but he's also playing with, you know, the best or second best player in the league. So that wasn't going to happen. So I I don't know. I I just fight the Bucs for the reasons you said. They're 18-3. and three. I feel like they know what it took to do it. I, I picked the Nets to come out of the East, but if I had to pick it now, I'd pick the Bucks Just because and you always say it, Michael, you talk about Giannis took that step in the playoffs and he looks great. He's like, he's Giannis. He's, he's, he's like, I, the tiger, he looks great, but I just feel like the playoffs, he could take it up a notch even more and kind of just, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a chemistry thing. Maybe it's not, but I, I do feel like once you've accomplished something, knowing how to do it is repeating. Something's easier. Like st- starting a new discipline is much harder than repeating it. <laughs> You
0: know? Yeah, it's like he pulled <laughs> off those like about, I think it was close to a 50-20 game. If I like, was it game six or seven? Right. Yeah, and the and block on like, eight, the block on eight,
1: like, and blo- I mean, it was one pulled, of the greatest performances ever. It was crazy. Yeah, and if he yeah.
0: ripped off a couple 50-20 games in the playoffs in in a series, even I don't think I would be totally flabbergasted. And, and right? I, I mean, feel
1: better, even the Lopez injury really hurts, and it hurts that they haven't, like they didn't invest more in depth, but. The guys who are playing, like if you look at their bench from a year ago to now, they definitely have more guys, at least I feel like you can count on offensively than they did then. It was it was I mean, you were like, what do we do outside of Lopez? And obviously Tucker was very important when he came over, but he came in season late, and he also was a he was a zero on offense. So the affirmation Allen Portis. Um
0: I mean, Wes Matthews,
1: man, with his yeah. Legolas arrows. Yeah. He's throwing darts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, McCartney is like,
0: he's... I mean, DiVincenzo was even starting before he got hurt. Oh, man. and man. Now he's, like, man. playing, like, 20 minutes a game. <laughs> yeah.
1: Where he should be. <laughs> I mean, it really does set the thinking of McDon- McDonavich, because that, that was a nice move. I got to say, that was, a nice, that was a nice attempt at a move there. Um, but, the yeah. The funny I... thing
0: is, is Di- DiVincenzo's not starting, and they replaced him with Pat Connaughton, which are, like, they're, like, basically twins, so...
1: But Connaughton is, is, has played – it's one of those weird things about the NBA. It's like the role players who show their medal. I, I, I don't know. It, it, this is all like intuitively – it'd be interesting if there's been some work on this, some research done or anything or some data. But it does feel like he went through the – he went through last playoff run. He performed and it sort of carried over, you know, and they know they can count on him. And I do feel like that helps with basketball is like – Okay, we might only have like the Raptor, We have six guys, seven guys we can count on, but we know we can count on them. We know they can like hit open shots. We know what we're gonna do so. I'm with you on the bucks. Um, I mean, he
0: is shooting the best percentage of his career. I mean, I think there's something to be said the fact that no, he, can't he is. open. No, he I mean, is. He is. He's shooting forty percent. I mean, the guy the was in the dunk. Time.
1: He was in the dunk contest. Okay, and he and he went. He went to Notre Dame as a baseball player. So he's 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 one of those weird like. Oh. He's basically Brent Barry. <laughs> if Brent Barry was going to be like a major league baseball I mean it's like he's like uh he's like Jeff Smart. Was it Jeff Smarge was another Notre Dame guy years ago who pitched in the majors, but he's also a great receiver. I mean, there's just yeah, I feel like guys who can play baseball and other sport really well are kind of a weird it's kind Mahomes. Of special. Yeah. That's no, true. Three star recruit, by the way. Like yeah, but- you as an decide on college football. Yeah, I think we've both been convinced, or we know that you got to recruit as many four and five star guys as you can get. Like you just got to like bring them in by the truckload, like get a, get a express train with them on coming in every position, up and down the lineup. But it is crazy that the two best quarterbacks in the league. Let's talk Mahomes. His dad was a major league baseball player. He was a three star recruit. He still got a D one offer. Went to Tech. Probably got multiple D one offers. So still amazing. That he's the best. One of the best three quarterbacks in the league. The other two, no offers out of high school. Zero. Think about every quarterback that you've ever, like, there's a lot of quarterbacks who don't get offers out of high school. They were in that group. Zero offers. And then the only reason he went to Cal is because they were, Rodgers, they were looking for an an offensive lineman at his JC. Butte College. They saw him like, oh, you're pretty good. Come on down. No one knew who he was. Josh Allen goes to a JC. He lives near Fresno. He's growing up going to Fresno State games. He's like begging them to recruit him. They're like, we're good. He like gets the Wyoming offer. He's like, it's his only offer. Maybe he has two offers. Um, Wyoming comes and said, we want you. You're our guy. I think they even did the like hey, I'll take my offer back to the other guy. <laughs> you know? It's like, I'll give you a chance to match. You know, It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, I think we have a deal handshake, but I'm going to kind of wander on back to my current employer and say, do you want to match it plus 10% and I'll stay? Denied. Tim DeRuiter, denied. I don't think Jeff Tedford would have made that mistake. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, playing quarterback like very few players ever have. Both, no D1, op- no offers. They played at junior college. I mean, it's absurd. Absurd. It's
0: just crazy. So, football. Well, and it, it is. Yeah. Football is so unpredictable. I mean, I think, but basketball has that component too. I mean, you know, we talked about it with Giannis last year. I mean, and yeah. the Giannis, like, you know, the fact that he became what he was is crazy. And also, like, it. it it's pretty remarkable that, we have two middle 20 year old guys in each the nfl and the nba that that are legitimately all-time greats now like patrick mahomes is like a i mean outside of the counting stats he's like a, the, he's like a top 10 quarterback of all time right now and, and giannis is is in that conversation too as just with his resume right now like again if you just told me hey over 14 years he did these things you'd be like wow yeah yeah stock him in there so, what a time to be alive, right?
1: Well, it's weird because... It's totally right, but it's, it's weird because with Giannis and Mahomes, like, Giannis' story is even crazier than anybody's, but it's, like, he's the Greek freak. Like, he's physically so imposing. You're like, okay, like, eventually you see it and you get it. Um, But I, I guess maybe it was similar to other guys because, you know, Allen and Rodgers and Mahomes are all known for having... Cam- they all have, like, Great arms, like cannons. They just like maybe Allen more than anybody. Like they can just like fling it. Um, but they still like, they, they they not have good arms when they were in high school. Like do they just develop? Like, like it's just crazy. Like all the work Giannis did to become who he was. I just think this is great. If you have a son or daughter, or if you're if you're a person wanting to play sports, like don't give up. Is the is the thing. If you really want something, like I mean. Brent Wismer kicked a field goal or PAT at Oregon State. You never know what's going to happen. Just keep keep fighting. Keep going for what you want. You never know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and Allen had no D1s, no college, no college offers. Went to junior college. It's crazy. Uh, my next team, I'm trying to stay positive here, so I'm only talking about teams I think will do better. Um, I definitely don't think the Pacers are going to do better. I mean, is, is Car- Rick Carlisle a horrible – is he a bad – did he lose it? Like I always considered him a really good coach, like at least offensively. But then you read about all the stuff that happened in Dallas, at least towards the end. And again, it's always when you leave, like you know, it's what you know. Our our the patrons. Well, the patron saint of the podcast is Bill Walton, but you know, John Collins is a strong number two. You know, if when things are going bad, everything you you start seeing all the things um, as they are. And Carla got totally clowned when he left because the Pacers had that long article about how terrible he was and Don just hated him and he just treated people really weirdly. And it was all the sort of maybe some of the abusive stuff he suffered, I mean, not abusive, but capital A, but some of the stuff he suffered from, like from uh, Bird and McHale, maybe Ainge. <laughs> like he's taking out other people. <laughs> I don't know because he treats people really badly. It's just like, what's the purpose of that? Uh, he goes to Indiana, gets the big, big offer. And they're horrible. They've had weird stuff. They don't have any wings. Guys are hurt. But, like, they're horrible. Horrible. (laughs) I mean, a lot of teams have missed guys have issues. Like, Michael, is Rick Carlisle actually a bad coach?
0: I have this working theory that that coaches, they have their fastball and then they don't. It's not that they lose their fastball like they can not perform. It's that they stop caring. I think this happens most in college athletics. Hmm. You'll see coaches, and then there are coaches that stop
1: caring before they even get. <laughs>
0: that's called the, <laughs> yeah, that's called the Jim. Too. That's
1: called the Jimmy Lake. <laughs> a lot of football tonight. D Love's gone. <laughs> we're, this, we're, we're hijacking the NBA pod. Turn into a football pod. We're going to go deep oh, on man. UW recruiting yeah, it's, it's, it's the state of Washington. The great running back out of O'Day in 2024 It's going to be great.
0: But the I, I just think Carlisle's interesting is a retread tried to re- go ahead and hire him. I mean, these guys are so hungry. They work so hard, right? You, you know, the Van Gundys are the greatest example, right? They just went absolutely crazy deep diving, you know, all of the advantages they thought they could get. And it's really a bit of a fool's gold, largely, right? I mean, it's so much relationship management. And outside of that, you know, it's kind of you rolling the we ball. We slept
1: out. we slept in our office all night just thinking of how should we run that? Where should we run that pick and roll? Top of the key, free throw line extended, Aha! Uh-huh. the corner. Pick and roll from the corner, they'll never see it coming. Sorry.
0: Well, my favorite part about this is, like, I mean, the, the Doncic-Carlisle stuff was the best example. I mean, Carlisle could have come up with, you know, God's gift to the NBA basketball, and Doncic was not going to do it. Like, it didn't matter what he yeah. said, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, you're kind of at the behest of your players. And so it's just interesting that the Pacers even hired him in the first place. I did. I, I considered Carlisle to be one of those tacticians, one of those great coaches that contributes a lot from the sideline. Yeah, and it's just a, build it's, a good offense, yeah it's so evident that he's just is, doesn't care anymore. I mean, he just, you know, he, he's on the golf course. He's there nine to four. He's ready just to, you know, take his paychecks and go home with his life. And you know, I, I can't blame him. Right. I mean, he, he, they, those guys, I mean, it's probably like a five year, $35 million deal or somewhere in that neighborhood to then eventually get fired after, I mean, in Indiana, unfortunately, he's probably not going to get fired because, because they're so cheap. But you know, a lot of these guys, you know, you keep kind of showing up for the job, and I think this 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 hiring cycle in college football. Rick Neuheisel was rumored to, for a couple of jobs. Oh, and I was no. like, of course he was. No. Like he doesn't he doesn't want to travel and recruit, but of course he's going to put his name in the in the hat, man. And that guy, yeah. that guy wants to get another three years and in in, uh, in nineteen million bucks and go back to his life at the Pac twelve Network. Yeah, man. CBS is losing the SEC. He needs to find a new job. He needs to find a new gig. Um,
1: that's a great point, and I think. Going back to the NFL for a reason. I think that's what makes Belichick and Andy Reid so special. Is Belichick overall, but especially defense and Andy Reid with, with offense. Is they just they're I almost feel like they're profe- they're just so curious. It's almost like professors that just even in their 60s are still into their career, are still producing tons of research and writing books, and they just like they can't get enough of it. Like Andy Reid is is running like weird, cool stuff, you know, 25 years after he started doing it with McNabb (laughs) in Philly. And he's got, you know, he's got a great quarterback to do it, but it definitely helps. And Belichick's, like, I mean, they got run by Josh Allen, speaking of him, but just, you know, building defenses, coming up with ideas, you know, running, only passing four times in a modern NFL game and bad weather against the Bills. Like, they just, they're into it. But I think they are, like, the exception that proves the rule. And unless you have a guy you can turn, you know, turn things over to on your team, it does. It, it's it's hard. It's hard for these guys to go. Even Popovich, right? I mean, is he? If if this was happening to him in, you know, the early aughts would this kind of just be? Just put his head down and keep coaching. I mean, you see it like all, all like, sometimes coaches they. It's like they have to kind of face reality that they can't do that much with their with their team, and they just sort of get, I mean, Stan Van Gundy seemed to give up last year, right?
0: I mean, he just started complaining in the media all the time. He was just like, "I'm not going to take this anymore." <laughs> I mean, so you're saying Popovich is basically Luke Walton, but with Tim Duncan? No, I'm say at that level. I I I just I just think it's. I mean, Walton went forty and zero, right? Didn't he Didn't he run off twenty three in a row with the Warriors? I mean,
1: yeah. Let's see how Steve Kerr does when Steph Steph's done. Um, oh, he'll be back in the TNT booth. Don't you worry? <laughs> no, they're gonna. It's the light years, man. They're gonna keep. He's gonna have the front court of Kaminga and Wiseman going strong in a decade. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think Popovich has a lot to add. He's a very smart guy, but I, I just, I do think these guys kind of you can't, you can't stay on. It's weird. I I wouldn't say it's their willingness to work hard necessarily. I think that's part of it. But I do think they just become set in their ways. And it's like very hard for them. They just want to run the same stuff they ran a decade ago. And you you can't do that. Like that was one of the things that was funny about Urban Meyer. He got so much. I mean, people probably like some people don't even remember. But when he was in Utah before he went to Florida, right? This is like. Again, a College Football Podcast. This is like 15, 20 years ago. He was known as like this innovative – that was one of his biggest things is he had the spread. You know, they ran the spread. They ran the read option. He was one of the first guys really to like do that full time, and it was very influential. He goes to Jacksonville. He doesn't even know like what they're running on offense. He just hires like a – he hired like – you know, Scott Lenahan is, is OC. Like he's just, he just hired a retread. He has no idea how NFL offense is supposed to run. He's like, we're going to rush for 200 yards and pass for 200 yards every game. And I said it, so it's going to happen. It's like, he had no idea cause he he's not an innovative like mind. He's just, he just kind of wants to do his thing. That's your point. I, I just think it's really interesting. It's really hard for these guys to stay on top. It's only, it's, it's the, it's the, um, it's like Andy Grove wrote, it's the only the paranoid survive. And the only way to stay on top of the game, even if it's coaching, is to keep being open to growth and changing things. And, again, it's just the rare coaches across sports to do that. Again, Stan Van Gundy was incredibly influential like 12, 15 years ago. I mean, what he was doing with Turkoglu and Richard Lewis was really interesting and different, and how he created a finals team out of a really oblong roster and a, and a star who's like just – one of the more like immature, complicated individuals we've seen in this recent NBA history. And he created this great team. So, um,
0: and this and then last year they were saying Zion, a point guard. And he said, I went to the finals with Jameer Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> I do love your point about the paranoid survive, right? I mean, it's like Nick Saban once a year is seen chewing out some like walk on, like, you know, Yes, Saban's a great example. Yes. And he gets criticized. And I'm like, it's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, like, that's it's the does. point. Yeah. The reason Saban is who he is, the reason he's like maniacally closing five-star guys from all over the country in his 70s is because that, that, that's all he cares about, right? No, it's totally. Like, it's, well, he it, cares it's, about perfection and like dominance. And there's only so many guys like that. I mean, I'm not like that. It's like, what's good enough to get the job done? Let's move on with my life.
1: No, it is that relentless pursuit and... It it's it's a it's also, you know, it's a it's a trope now in the tech world, but this the idea of the innovators' dilemma, you know, which came out of I think Professor Christensen at Harvard, you know, wrote about the idea that for any type of business it's it's really hard to keep innovating because you've done certain things get to a point of strength as a company, and it's really hard at that point to then change and adapt to new to changes in your market, to new technologies, to to do the things you have to do to keep at the top of your industry or your space. Again, because you're an innovator, but you have this dilemma of, like, how do I keep innovating? Because I, if I try and do something new, I can't keep benefiting from what I'm doing right now that's gotten me here. But if I don't start innovating and leave that behind to a certain level or completely, then I'm going to – like in the long run, I'm going to lose. So it's this, it's this dilemma. And I think it's the same thing with these coaches. It's, it's, it's there and Saban's a perfect example. They're, they're they're unwilling to keep changing and growing with the game. And I mean, I think partly because we're Husky fans and see Jimmy Lake and see the really informed sort of Husky Twitter universe making this point. So I'm stealing it from them, but Saban called out a few years ago that like things have changed. You can't win with defense anymore. You have to have the athletes on offense. You have to have an open attack. You have to play spread. You have to do these things to to win. And he totally changed. Like if you like look back at ten years ago at Saban, if you just took someone like you know in 2010, you know, falling Alabama. And let's say they won the. I forget. Their, let's say they won the title. Last time they won the title around 2010, and put them to now and see how they're playing. They would be shocked. Like their defense can struggle at times, like we saw even in the the championship game. But their offense is just crazy. And his willingness to adapt and embrace that and move away from what had worked for him for years is what makes him special. I mean, same thing with what? Belichick. It's it's those guys. They just keep. And I think Andy Reid's like that for offense. He just keep innovating. He's not scared. He came up running. You know, he was BYU, Lavelle Edwards, Bill Walsh, home, like Holmgren, like that West Coast passing. That's what he did in like the mid-90s and the Eagles. And, again, if you just took someone watching that offense and plopped them watching Mahomes now, you'd be like, what got into Andy Reid? And what got <laughs> into him is he he embraced all the things coming from college, all the spread, all the different, like, things people were doing. And, and that willingness to just to try new things and do it is – is really special because even a guy like Mike Leach, who's incredibly innovative, like what he did, again, like most of what's happened in football, like the passing game the last 20 years comes from Leach Um and air raid and spread and how it's sort of infiltrated everywhere. But he's still doing the same thing he was doing 20 years ago. He's not doing anything different. He still has the little play sheet. He has the splits, the, the linemen running the splits. He's still running like – that same like 12 variation of plays he runs like he's on autopilot because it works for him he can go eight and four nine and three every year even the SEC have a lot of success beat some really good teams and just keep rinse and repeat man go to the keys not have to recruit very much <laughs> like he leach has the ideal life um but the guys who want it like they want to win so bad it's like the pain of the loss is even better than the the, the uh experience of winning it is special it's unique so who you got who's next on your list well
0: so are you are you buying the pacers is that what well, that the lead-up of this entire conversation is carlo mailing it in but you're still buying the pacers no, no. based on selling selling hard
1: oh selling. got it. Got, selling. it got it i was saying they were i was trying i started that long <laughs> our long dialogue uh if i recall correctly it's been so long about how the Pacers were on my list to go worse, not definitely not better. I the next team on my list to go to get better um, is the 76ers. Um, oh, yeah, they're
0: on my sellers list. Oh, oh, disagreement. Okay, is, sell. Wow, sell me on why I should buy them. Well, you know they have had a good run.
1: Like they've won seven out of ten, eight out of ten, um, and. I just look at the way Embiid is. I mean, Embiid is playing as good as you can play. So if he can keep healthy and keep playing like this, and if they can get him any reinforcements, like I don't really see them falling back into the play in. And so then it's just a question of like, can they, you know, can they keep working their way up? up the list and they're, and they're right there. They're only like two and a half games behind the heat. So they're in that group. That's pretty strong. I mean, you have the Hornets sniffing around and a few other teams kind of, we're talking about, but so I I just, I don't, when you have a guy playing like Embiid is playing, I don't really, even with that cast of characters they have, I just, I just see them continuing on and continuing to improve. And I think, Embiid's scary to me, man. I mean, we talk about the Bucks, talk about the Nets, I mean, the Heat, but like Embiid's the other guy. I just, I just, he's playing like, I, I think you pointed it out that he's a few weeks ago about how he had to develop like a mid range game basically to adapt playing with Ben Simmons. And I don't know, I don't know if I sent it to you, but someone did I forward it to you? Maybe we, like someone did a side by side. On Twitter, I saw side by side of Embiid and Kobe, and it would show, or maybe it's just they'd show Kobe, and then it pause and they'd show Embiid, and Embiid was doing like the exact same moves, like he literally, like Jason Tatum should have watched whatever, whatever Kobe clips, <laughs> Embiid was watching, because it is it is eerily the same, and then when you start seeing like a seven three hundred pound dude like doing like like. Turnarounds and shakes and pull ups and jumpers, with the same exact foot. Like, it's exactly the same. I mean, I, I don't know. I saw that. I was like, man, this guy is like, because I'm a joke. I'm a yokish guy for sure, but Embiid is just, I mean, how fun is it oh. to have two offensive? I mean, Embiid's great defensively too, but to have two centers on offense to play like this, like it's like a totally different level. I just cross the fingers to stay healthy. If he does, I think even with the Simmons mess, even assuming Maury just kind of eats his hat and doesn't make a move it's it's just Embiid's so good um I'm a lot more bullish with them than I am on the Nuggets but who you got
0: no the the, the Sixers one is funny and then the Embiid story of of him I just can imagine him watching Kobe videos in his like IMG dorm room when he like came from Africa because there's <laughs> there was a long like expose had done on Embiid probably like 18 months ago about his evolution as a player. And they, they they had him on the records. He was like a part of the process. And he had this quote that was so great. He said he came over, he did like a basketballs Without Borders deal in Africa, got identified, ultimately made the decision with his family to come over by himself. So he's like in this dorm room at IMG, or where I think that's where he was at. And he's basically um, knows no English, knows no one, Basically, like does class and like does basketball, but he's like awful. He's like, I'm so bad at basketball. I'm this huge athletic kid, but I like have I don't know how to play the game. And so he said, Well, these guys that I play with, all the really good guys are really good at shooting. And I've noticed that the really guys who are really good at shooting tend to be a lot of white guys. So he's so he went on YouTube to find the oldest whitest guy from the YMCA. Teaching shooting, and so that's how he taught himself to shoot when he first got in America, which is my favorite. Uh, you know, so the evolution of that story is naturally that he's watching Kobe Bryant circa 2004, you know, hitting like shimmy pullbacks or the, t- the Raptors 81 point game or whatever. You know, they, the no. next step is there. That's hilarious
1: because it. Yeah, I think he again Tatum should have should have followed the same thing. He should have started with the okay, get some white guy shooting, and then get some Kobe. Like you got to get the right. The right allotment uh, here. And, and, and it's great you bring that up because Embiid is – I don't think of him like Giannis very often, but it's – I because mean, he went to Kansas and he was clearly – he became the number one pick. Like he was so good that year in Kansas that it was like, oh, this guy. He's going to be like – if he hadn't got a hurt, he'd been the top pick right around there. He was the third pick. It was, it was clear he was legit absent the injury issue. Unlike Giannis who comes in like middle of the pack of the draft – but he, I mean, like you said, he came over. He didn't have anybody. He goes to IMG, and if, I, if it was the same article, he also was not that impressive to start with. It wasn't like he just came over and like Elijah one that and was just like, oh my gosh, this guy is. I mean, he is kind of like Elijah one. I mean, I guess from Africa, and incredibly like mobile and his, his footwork, and he's just incredible athlete. But. He did. He he wasn't setting the world on fire at IMG at the beginning, <laughs> you know. He wasn't like no, exactly. He, he was like, "What is going on?" Because he had never played, you know. He just he got seen it by uh, was it Luke? I always forget how to pronounce his Luke name. Richard Maboutin. Yeah, yeah. He found him at his yeah. camp. He found him. Um, so yeah, it's really it's really impressive. But you're you're but you're even with that. I was selling the uh, Sixers. Uh, I mean, I love him. That uplifting story.
0: It's amazing. He's the best. You share that, and then
1: you're going to just go down on them. Oh, man. I mean, I
0: criticized our NBA media landscape for giving Jokic his flowers, much deserved, but but failing to recognize Embiid, the runner-up in the MVP race last year, having an equally surpassive and impressive season regard regarding, you know, his performance. Like he, he hasn't gotten recognized and he's also missing his second superstar second star with him, right? I mean, he, their situations are really similar. And meanwhile, Embiid is not getting that credit. All that said, though, the challenge I find is that I just I don't trust that roster. I mean you start to get past, you know, Embiid and you have a whole heap and ton of Seth Curry taking ISO jumpers against the Hawks in the second round last year. I mean, that I've seen that play before, and it didn't end very well. It ended with them losing in the second round to a team that's now 21 and 25. So uh, I, I just don't trust the composition of that roster without Simmons there. I don't trust it with Simmons there, to be honest, but <laughs> I think largely – my hope was that they would turn him into, you know, 75 cents on the dollar with three quarters, right? Like three <laughs> contributing players to add to the depth with maybe one of them or, or multiple of them playing alongside a player like Embiid can really step up to the plate, right? Like can Embiid have the Steph effect, right? It's like Otto Porter all of a sudden went from being like, you know, basically a Wobegon overpaid, you know, X-Max player to now being like a very relevant playoff player on the second best team in the Western conference. Right. I mean, that, that's like, that's a, that's the Steph effect. And I think Embiid, not unlike Jokic can have an effect on players like that. I mean, he can pass. He is a, he, he's a dominant offensive player and defensively, he covers up a multitude of sins for his perimeter guys. I mean, that's like, that's the impact he can have, but I'm skeptical that Mori at a certain point, because again, it's antithetical to his like entire ethos on being an NBA GM that is he's ever going to trade Simmons for anything that doesn't resemble, you know, fair compensation? I mean, right? The the Cam Reddish, John Collins, maybe a pick thing, you know, felt interesting. I, I I would be interested in exploring that if I was a Sixers fan or in the Sixers front office. But that didn't appear to have any legs. But that's a trade that I would go. Oh, maybe I, I'm a much higher on the Sixers going forward versus where they are today with the limited you know capabilities of the rest of that roster.
1: Well, I was going to retort, but they have Doc Rivers as their coach, so they're going to be – I was like, oh, wait, sorry. Doc <laughs> Rivers, talk about not being able to change. Um, I, one other point, I, I you know I'm 100% behind the Steph effect. I, I love that term, and I'm 100% behind it. He's making that that crew of misfits look like a great offense. But I, one thing that helped was, it. I, you know, Otto Porter was still playing a lot of the three in his most recent stints. <laughs> between injuries <laughs> and they were like it. What always works with these guys is move them down a position and all of a sudden their offense opens up. <laughs> it's like he was playing some three, maybe a little bit of four. Now he's playing some five and a little bit of four <laughs> so or some four, and a little bit of five when uh, at least the wise man comes back. So, so I feel like it's, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Thomas, like on those, those Nash Suns teams after Amari got hurt. And he was just like, he was just playing the five next to Diao and just, like, running pick-and-pops and pumping threes left and right. And, like, I mean, especially – but even now, like, guys do not know what to do with Porter, like, pick-and-popping with,
0: with Curry. It's just, like – it's terrifying. So, the and good, good for panic. Otto. I mean, the sheer panic that is, that is created for defenses when they're trying to defend Steph Curry. I mean, if you guys have not – Taken a pause and watched even part of a of a Warriors game. I know the Warriors are sort of overplayed. They've been talked about ad nauseum since 2015. We've, the ups and the downs and the injuries and the drama, blah blah blah. I get it? But like watching Steph Curry peak of his powers, where the league is, and somehow finally realize how incredibly dominant and effective he is. I mean. It's just, it's a constant scramble drill. Like, it takes me back to seventh grade when you, you, you know, you didn't get the pick who you could guard, and then they throw the ball out and you had to go fly around defensively, like four on five. It's literally what every yes. possession seems like when yes. he starts moving around. And it's, everyone's like tweaking out. So, yeah. And I lo- uh, you're totally right.
1: And it's in the transition because it's like, it's a well known thing that Steph terrifies people. I think people point out all the time, like, you, but that in, transition people run to him at the three-point line leave people over for dunks and layups but like him and porter in like semi-transition with steph with the ball in his hand is like a whole other ball game it's like (laughs) it's like oh wait we
0: give a great shooter next to steph what happens it's just it's like wait we've defended this with draymond and we really want him to shoot so now what do we do when someone can shoot it (laughs) that's
1: true that's a a good change up right there even uh they get everyone back porter could just come in for draymond and like what we have to let this guy, we can't let this guy shoot anymore. I'm also glad Porter's back and playing well because. Do you think the Porter family, the broader Porter, because he's a he, is he a he's a distant cousin? He's a cousin of the. I think he's related. Of the Michael Porter. I think he is because he's Kevin from the Porter. Yeah, I think he's like he's related because the porters are like legit because they have both the the men and the women. They have some legit college hooper.
0: They have two girls playing Missouri too. Yeah,
1: they have a bunch of players. I mean, maybe it's not to the Barry level or the even the Walton level, but like the high level it is. I don't know. I love the families. Gotta have the families. Gotta love you know some good, good some good two on two in the back court with like you know six D one players waiting to get on and play the next game.
0: Uh, Damian Lee always feels left out when he goes to the Curry that's family. True.
1: That's true, man.
0: Because No, I think it's actually uh, – it's
1: Austin Rivers feels left out. I think he's the one who <laughs> – it's even worse. It's oh, like man. your your sister married a better version of yourself. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. I feel bad for Austin. You know, I, I love Austin. I mean, Rivers – yeah. Another guy who went to Duke oh, and really – like just totally embraced Embrace. Cobra Kai, like totally went there, <laughs> like did not, does not care. Like it's almost Jeez. like it's like you, you, like JJ Reddick at least still cared what people thought of him. Like and he was aware enough about it, and he's like a media guy. He's been for a long time with the podcast. He's a he knew enough to kind of, kind of make fun of himself. Like so, like Grayson Allen, Austin Rivers, they they're like the next level over. They they have no. They're they're not sheepish about it at all. It's just full it's full bad guy. It's full eighties <laughs> high school movie bad guy. And they they're loving every minute
0: of it. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, right, who you got? All right. My I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy the Utah Jazz.
1: Oh. I see. So the It's the, a controversial selection. They're two and eight. eight
0: in their last ten. They've dealt with some injuries. They've had some injury issues. But this is really what this is. Is this is a buy of Rudy Gobert as a relevant playoff basketball player, and ultimately a buy of as Donovan Mitchell having a "Did you forget about me?" moment in the playoffs. Like I, I think there's a whole lot of John Morant, Memphis Grizzly hype right now, ooh, ooh. and I think Donovan Mitchell is looking around saying, "I think this young cat is on my corner, and I need to make a, I need to make a statement because I." Really, I do – it's like, I, it's funny. John Morant's amazing. He's, you know, in the MVP conversation, he's had a remarkable year, particularly since he came back from that injury. But, like, is he not just going to be the evolved version of Donovan Mitchell? Like, I mean, what – those two guys – I mean, you know, I, I just think they're, they're so similar, and I think the construction of the Jazz, at least in this year, to me, is a very interesting – Playoff year, they've gone through a lot of different looks. They have a lot of, they have more flexibility than they've had in the past. And I think ultimately Mitchell has proven when he has the ball in his hands consistently, he he has that ability to continue to push the boundaries of, of their of their ceiling, right? And that's there's there's such little competition. In the Western Conference, particularly, at least from a high, high-level perspective, right? I mean, it's interesting. You have the Nets and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, but the Western Conference, again, we've hit this before, but I just think it's continuing to prove true. The Suns are are potentially going to separate themselves a little bit, but they still have their own issues. You have the Suns, you have the Warriors, and, and then the, the who else, right? The Jazz, the, the Grizzlies, and to me... I think Utah has that opportunity, and especially if they have a little fringe move to make here down in down in the last kind of month before the trade deadline, they're gonna they're gonna go all in because they they've seen the writing on the wall. They also have a new owner who's new owners are, are, are and Trader well Danny
1: Trader Danny's in charge. He's the he's, C- is- he's the CEO. Is that like the new is that the new GM title? Or is, is he actually like? Just helping with promotions and ticketing strategies. Is that like,
0: Hey, we're going to, is he picking the halftime acts? Like what is the CEO? Like, no, the CEO is on the golf course. It just means he gets to pick when he wants to work and when he doesn't <laughs> want to work.
1: I just don't understand. It's like, is he doing everything? So, but he's making the calls. I feel it's kind of tough for that GM that they have there. Cause he, I think he was the guy who went to Milwaukee because he wanted to be like the GM and then he was supposed to be the next GM, and then they the owners disagreed about him, and then he went back to Utah for his same job. And then he outlasts Dennis Lindsey. And um, and then it's like looking good for him. Dennis Lindsey gets pushed out, he's the guy. And then Justin Zanuck, man. I feel bad for you, Justin. Because then Danny Age came in strong. It's like you don't want to get Elton Brand. That's all I say, or branded. It's like Daryl Morey comes in and is like, oh, yeah, Elton's very deeply involved. He's an important part
0: of the team. (laughs) He's only butchered the roster for 18 months. I I just, yeah. I think they've grown up in. I mean, it's basically,
1: I I really feel like, I mean, I think the guys running the show, they try and engage their team, like the, the front office. They try and get everyone to give input. It's. It's different levels of collaboration are there. But at the end of the day, you're really just submitting your TPS reports or you're the guy deciding who's on the roster or not. Like, there's there's basically two roles. Like, it's it's either you're submitting your scouting reports and giving your ideas and thoughts and being thankful that you have a boss who wants to pretends or actually does want to hear what you have to say. Or you're the guy, like, making the call, telling the owner what you think you should do and doing it. Like, there's no... <laughs> Justin Zanuck is not the GM. It's not the GM As I knew as a ch- young child in the NBA. He's I don't know what his actual role is, but he, it's not. I mean, do you think he knew the whole time that like Ainge was coming in and it was just that was known? Or do you think he was like surprised and offended when Ainge took the job?
0: I mean, it's oh, like, surprised and offended for sure. OK. I mean, I, I just think there. he didn't
1: know. He's he, like, can't. He was worried about he, Dwayne Wade taking his job, but not Danny Ainge. That there's co- only so many people guard. who could
0: be in the loop, right? I mean, I think it's Ryan Smith is the new owner. Is that his yeah, name? Yeah. I think Ryan Smith is Ryan Smith's trying to get the lay of the land. I think, you know, he cannot be bothered by the peons. The guy's a billionaire. Well, they, he paid
1: a lot of money, too. That's the thing. I do think the guys – because it's funny. The, guy, it, the, 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 the interesting guys are the guys who paid the depressed amounts, all the P.E. guys who paid the depressed amounts for the Sixers and the and the Pistons and everyone before the last uh, collective bargaining agreement and the new TV deals. So they're just like sitting pretty. You know, it's all, it's all, they're, they're still hard charger owners, but they, they don't have an economic reason to be that way. Like Ryan Smith paid a lot of money for the jazz. Like he's got like, like he didn't get to where he is. Like not looking at the bottom line figuring out like how to grow things. So it's, I mean, we're all, it's everything's turning into into like European soccer in the premiership. It's just like there's so much money at stake. It's like you can't. I have a solution for Ryan
0: Smith to build his business model. There's a certain jazz legend is getting exiled out of the city of Spokane. Stop, stop. stop. Bring back Stockton (laughs) Malone. Like, can we just laugh for a second? I think you you sent a tweet about this, but it's just, it makes so much sense. At My, the time, yeah myron we always, myron medcalf pointed it out that was uh, myron medcalf yeah. I mean, at the time it was a little confusing <laughs> stockton and malone were sort of the odd couple <laughs> and the more and more we learned about their politics <laughs> the more we kind of we realized that they may have been on the fishing boat together really getting along like they, they, were, they, were, they were
1: yeah they were do you
0: think at some point in they like the said they talked about running for office like it was like was it Malone or Stockton, or Stockton and Malone? Like they couldn't decide. They were It wasn't running had, for office. The
1: they were discussing Y two K prep strategies. So that was that was what they were discussing. <laughs> right there. They were getting ready. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely they were definitely simpatico. Brought them closer together for sure. Um, yeah, I think the only other team I have is, and I really this is a tough one. I was kind of scrambling to find another team to talk about. Okay, I'm trying to stay positive. Trying to look forward to the future. I think the Celtics can do better in the second half. Than they did in the first half
0: because it's a pretty low bar. They right? can't
1: shoot worse. They can't shoot worse, baby. Tatum in for fifty-one. Um, does, I think it require, Co- Coach does it require Koshidoka has not called out his team in forty-eight hours, so I think there's. Well, I
0: was gonna say, does it does it require Ime Yudoka getting fired for them to improve? Uh, like, do no. they need a little Atlanta Hawks juice going on?
1: Is Dan McMillan available? Is there is this is this, is this like uh, musical chairs coaching style? Um, yeah, I, I think it's partly you know it's probably a self sort of reinforcing choice because I thought they'd be better than they've been so far. Maybe a lot of people did, so it kind of feels like they're not playing up to their true level. Uh, they still really lack a creator, or distributor, or someone who can like share the ball, make the extra pass. So until they figure that out, you know, how much higher can they go. But, you know, make or miss league. If they make a few more, they could get kind of – again, I'm just thinking of teams that could – like the Raptors and Celtics are the teams to me that could kind of move into that. I feel like the Hornets may stay where they're at or kind of fall back a little bit, and I feel like the Raptors and Celtics could kind of come up. If the Bulls drop, if some of the other, like other those six teams drop back, they're the most likely to come up.
0: Wow. All right. There we have it, buyers and sellers. Do you love who? No. Uh, we missed him. We missed him. I know, man. We tried. We talk a big game, but really we, we need try to back. pretend I, I'm we're Come hanging on. by a thread right now.
1: Yeah, I do feel a little bit like hard I, I feel like Harden right now and it just after drink got hurt and I'm looking around going, It's a way, it's it's a home game. We have three we have a home stand coming up. Okay. Like <laughs> Gonna... I
0: intentionally didn't get in condition for the season because I thought yes. it be the third wheel
1: ruined my timing Kyrie and Durant. I was, I was waiting. Maybe I'll complain to the media about not getting foul calls. Um, yeah. Anything else on the agenda?
0: That I think that'll wrap it up for tonight. We'll, uh, We'll be back next week, though, with hopefully with D Love and, and uh, out of the protocols. We'll see, though. It's an away He's game. To test out of him. It's an away game. He should be fine, but uh, fingers oh, good crossed. Point, good point. Fingers D-love. crossed. We'll see you back next week. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the Three and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time, but until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.